You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English, on this bright Monday morning. How's it going, y'all? So far, so good. It's Monday morning. How do you think it's going? I know. I feel like... (laughs) Uh, I feel like Monday mornings for me, I question everything. Um, everything. I don't. I don't question my eternal security. I don't question the love that I have for my family. I don't question um, the love that I have for Christ. Everything else, though, is on the docket for. Uh, <laughs> Is this right and good and true and beautiful? Uh, but then you know. Do you want to keep doing the podcast? You don't question. I don't that. know. You guys want to workshop? You guys want to workshop that right now? <laughs> Workshop that in real time. Right here. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple hundred thousand people listening, but let's just go ahead and just talk it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, if you do want to see us workshop something in the round, bang, look at that segue. Wow. Uh, you can catch mm, the three of us style. in person a lot this year, but one of the places that we will be is in Indiana. We'll be there in September for the Gospel Coalition Conference. We'll be doing a couple of special events at the conference. We'd love for you to all come and join us. Our friends over at TGC have created a discount code for $20 off registration that expires on February 16th, and the code is KNOWINGFAITH. You can register over at thegospelcoalition.org slash TGC23. We're going to be doing a live recording of Knowing Faith that is sponsored by our season sponsor, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. That should be a lot of fun. That'll be one of the things that we'll be doing over there. We'll also be doing a panel breakout discussion over some of what we do with training the church, our cohort, and more than the cohort, really just our belief in deep discipleship for the local church in our age. And so we'd love for you to come spend some time with us at the Gospel Coalition National Conference coming up this September. Register now uh, and get that discount code and uh, get some money off that registration. All right, that's that's my drop-in for the Gospel Coalition. Love them, love what they're about. But today we're talking about not the Gospel Coalition, Uh-oh. but the call of the gospel on our lives. Boom. Okay. I, I sh- that was that was kind of weak sauce, but we will accept it. I know I should have done not the gospel coalition, but the gospel calling. It was looking at me right in the face, mm-hmm. and I walked right past mm-hmm. it. So, mm-hmm. what kind of a Baptist a, are you? You had an alliterative moment, and you right walked past right past it. Yeah, so, it. So throughout this season, uh, we're kind of looking back. We're having some fun with some of our episodes. We're exploring the values that animate us as a partnership and as a team. But we're also looking at the doctrine of salvation, and we've covered a few of those topics already. But we're embarking today on a discussion of calling, calling, which is an important part of the doctrine of salvation. And yet I do feel like with calling language, because call and calling gets used to talk about vocation and career and job and Mm -hmm. God's broader purposes in the world. When we start thinking about calling language as it pertains to salvation, it's either overlooked or there's confusion around it. So hopefully today we can draw attention to it and we can bring some clarity to it. So when we're talking about calling, I think it's important that we we situate just situate this within the doctrine of salvation. So let me ask this question right here. Is there a difference? And JT, you get the ball rolling here. Is there a difference between a general call of the gospel and effectual calling? And if so, what is the difference? Yeah, so theologians use these terms a little bit differently. Like there's, you could say, general calling or uh, a particular calling mm-hmm. or universal calling or a particular calling, there's absolutely a difference. So general calling or universal calling means specifically that the gospel goes forward 
indiscriminately to all people. That that it, we think about one of the passages that comes to mind. This this passage technically is not about uh, general calling, but Genesis chapter twelve verses one through three that through you and through your seed all nations are going to be blessed. Yep. That election, what we've been talking about, is actually not supposed to terminate mm-hmm. on anybody. It's supposed to continue to move forward. That once light comes into a person, to a community, or to a situation, that light is meant to move forward to all nations. And so that's the general calling. So yesterday, you know, I'm preaching at Storyline and. Uh, as I preach at Storyline or anywhere God allows me to preach, we we allow the gospel to go forward to all people indiscriminately, believing and saying things like, like I, as somebody who's Reformed, I have no problem saying, Jesus died for you. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't want to allow the, the particularity of the gospel to uh, exclude the general call of those to come to know Jesus. Now, the particular calling is something different. We'll get into this, into the weeds a bit more here in a minute. It's something that's specific to those uh, who will respond to the gospel effectually. That is to say that God the Father will call people to the Son, those who are elect, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and actually affect salvation in them, affect uh, new new affections to, 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 to bring about a transformation of heart, soul, mind, and strength to love Jesus with everything that they have. And so, this is one of those tensions that I feel like when, when in the Reformed community things can go a little bit sideways, these distinctions aren't made, and only one or the other is emphasized. So we want the gospel to go forward indiscriminately towards all, but we also want to know that the gospel is powerful to save, that it actually does what it says it's going to do, that it's not something that we actually have to, in our own agency, bring forward in our lives, but rather God says, I will actually bring an impact in your life through the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The general call of the gospel, we could say, is the external work of proclamation. The internal uh, or or the effectual call is the internal work of salvation. So when we think about general call, you can think about this is the external work of proclamation. This is Jesus speaking out to the crowds, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, right? To observe all that I've commanded you. This is just extending the, this is Peter's sermon at Pentecost. It's just, let me bring the gospel. This is a sermon on Sunday. It's an evangelism moment on Monday. It's catechizing your kids with the story of scripture on a Wednesday. It is that. That's the general call, is just the external free offer is sometimes what it's called proclamation of the gospel. The effectual call is that internal work of salvation. And if the general call is something that we do to make the gospel known and proclaimed, the effectual call is something that the Spirit does. Mm-hmm. to bring that to activation, so to speak, into the human heart. But what then is the purpose of the general call if not everyone responds to it? I mean, that's going to be the mm-hmm. objection that you hear from people. Like, why have a general call if only uh, if it's only effective for some? Yeah, well, the ge- that's a great question. I think Paul anticipates this in Romans 10, uh, because in Romans Mm -hmm. 8, we get calling language explicitly. You know, when we think about Romans 8, 28 uh, and following, 
We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those mm-hmm. whom he pre- foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And then in verse 30, those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So calling in Romans 8.30 is that effectual call. It's God working out salvation. That's clear because something precedes it and comes after it that brings salvation to fullness for a believer. Mm-hmm. But the general call of the gospel is of benefit because that is how God has chosen to save his people. And Romans 10 tells us this much. Romans 10, 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The general call of the gospel is that proclamation externally, but the effectual call that accompanies it and that will be uh, realized for all of God's people, that is a fruit of the Spirit taking the general call of the gospel and opening up, well, or to use Paul's words in another book, enlightening the eyes of the heart to hear it and to receive it and to understand it. So what is the benefit of the general call? Well, the benefit of the general call is even though not all who hear it will be effectually called, some who hear it will be effectually called. And it seems as if Scripture is saying even those people would not have the opportunity to experience that effectual calling if not for the general work of proclamation in the general call. Does that is that helpful? Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that's fascinating about this is, I mean, we've talked before, It was I think it was when we were going through Romans about um, how we want there to be a formula of words that we can say that will have the effect of salvation on people. Like we we want there to be that neat little set of words that we can say, whether it's the Roman road or sharing a, you know, the kind of information or the kind of um, plea that you would find in a gospel tract. Uh, but if there were such a combination, magical combination, it probably would have been located by now by earnest believers. And I think one of the things that jumps out to me in, in this whole conversation is the fact that Jesus gave a general call to which not everyone responded. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we have often paid enough attention to that. I think in particular about John chapter six. Exactly. Um, That's what I was going to talk about. A lot of people are familiar with the with the words of the disciples uh, who do stick with him when they say, where would we go for you have the words of life? But what comes right before that is a whole group of his disciples just turn around and walk mm-hmm. away. Like they've been following. If Jesus, who has the words of life, can speak them and a group of his disciples can hear them and not receive them. I mean, that's that's the mm-hmm. parable of the of the sower and the soil yeah. playing out in real time. And so, uh, if you've ever uh, shared the gospel and felt defeated because it was not received, just understand that Jesus Himself shared words of life, mm-hmm. and and people walked away. That's exactly right. I, that's the passage that I was going to uh, point our attention to as well. I mean, just if you maybe you haven't read that passage in a while, but just to kind of give the broad story. Jesus is talking about himself being the bread of life, and if you don't eat of my body mm-hmm. and drink of my blood, then you have no part in me. And there's two responses, and this is what we're talking about. So general call goes out, and going back to your question, Jen, to Kyle, one of the benefits of the general call, and I hope people hear this with the the tender heart that I intend for them to receive it, is, is the general call eliminates apathy. Like, you either deny the claims of Jesus or you affirm the claims of Jesus. You can't remain apathetic towards them. And so it mm-hmm. forces disciples of Jesus and the church and anybody who hears it to make a decision. I either 
believe the claims of Christ or I deny the claims of Christ. I, mm-hmm. I, I, have, I affirm them and I believe that he is the one who has the words of life and we have nowhere else to go. Or, you know what, this guy's a little crazy. He's asking us to eat his body and to drink of his blood. But I think John intentionally in that passage gives us a word, a, a, a phrase here that whether you've shared the gospel with your waiter or waitress or your pastor, preacher, or women's ministry director, and you've shared the gospel and you're wondering, man, is this going to work? What John chapter 6, verse 63 says is, the Spirit is the one who gives life. It's it's not our words that give life. It's not our ability to, to say it in meaningful ways or effectual ways that we want to be as persuasive as we can. All of our trust, when the general call goes out, is on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you bring life mm-hmm. to these words? Bring life to the words. And, and that was Jesus's yeah. trust as well, that Jesus is entrusting mm-hmm. himself to the Spirit of God. That's his Spirit, that as he says these things, there's going to be some who deny and some who affirm. And the ones who affirm are going to be given life and mm-hmm. life abundantly and eternally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I do think that uh, John, I turn to John 6 too. So I would just say, if you're looking for a great passage to meditate on, to see the dynamic of general and effectual call, and then to hear Jesus speak to it almost explicitly, John 6 would be a wonderful passage to go and read and meditate on. But also, I would say, you know, when you read the Gospel of Matthew, the very first parable that is recorded and is given an interpretation is the parable of the sower. And it's a parable about effectual calling, essentially, because the seed is the gospel. It's the good news, and it is cast broadly, and not all of it bears fruit. So it's always fascinating to me that, like, the things that take us some time to get to, Jesus led with. Like That's right. He led Mm -hmm. with them, because he knows that in our human reckoning, that's that's a hard thing to understand. In fact, his disciples respond to that parable with a, I'm sorry, what? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he graciously explains it to them, because it's going to be foundational to their understanding of the call to go and make disciples. We live in a possession and money obsessed culture, but what does the Bible say about generosity? In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit CSBLifeCouncilBible.com to get your copy today. Visit CSBLifeCouncilBible.com to get your your copy today. And so if we just kind of uh, move from there to asking ourselves, when does effectual calling happen and who does this work? And this is, we're getting into something that I think could be, it'd be helpful for the listeners to name it. I I don't want us to rely on it too much as a device because it, it's, it can be a helpful tool initially, but I, I do feel that maybe its helpfulness 
diminishes the more you press into it. But we're, we're, we're talking through something now that theologians would call the order of salvation, uh, or the Latin phrase that's been used in the history of the church has been the ordo salutis, order of salvation. Now, the reason that I want to just name it is because we are broadly following what we think the scripture lines out as the logical ordering of salvation, the logical ordering of salvation. But there are moments here, and we're in between two episodes where you're going to feel that, between effectual calling and then our next episode on regeneration, where the logical ordering of salvation is not going to feel like it chronologically are these really distinct events. Like, Effectual calling comes before regeneration, but we experience them in the life of the believer like almost immediately, many times. So it's hard to be like, well, this is a different thing than that. So it's not. Yeah, or, or it's not just immediately, but simultaneously. Yes. Like it's the mm. it's the same thing. We're talking about different facets of a diamond. That's like it's a it's the diamond of salvation. That's exactly right. So so by asking the question, when does effectual calling happen? We're not really asking the question of when is it going to happen for you or when did it happen for you? When did it happen for us? Those are all be valuable questions. We're really more asking in the logical ordering of salvation, when does it happen and why does it happen there? Right? It happens when Jen comes and teaches mm-hmm. women of the word. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know if diamond is the right kind of metaphor, example, analogy, but like if you think about <clears throat> God's work, it's so miraculous and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about other things like re- we've talked about election, we're talking about regeneration, talk about justification, sanctification, all of these beautiful things that happen. And in some sense, they all happen simultaneously, like they happen at the same moment. In another sense, they happen over a very long period of time of progressive sanctification. Well, at the same time, God calls us sanctified. So I think the same thing's true here is God, the, the great news about calling is that it's not up to us and it happens when God wants it to happen. I mean, I've been I've been a part of churches where there's somebody who's in the uh, church for decades and hearing the gospel, maybe even teaching Sunday school, and then God saves them. Like, it's something that just the Holy Spirit of God descends upon them, and they experience the converting work of Christ. They believe for the first time, and they understand the gospel in richer and more more deep ways than they ever have before. So I think the win question is, it uh, maybe another way to say it is, it always happens when the gospel goes forward. So we just keep putting the gospel mm-hmm. forward. The effectual call never happens when the gospel isn't going forward. It happens when the gospel is being faithfully proclaimed and preached in local churches and parachurch organizations at conferences and home groups and Bible studies. And then it happens when, because God, one of the things we probably won't get into, but it's a triune work. It's when God the Father in his divine sovereignty calls people to his son by the power of the Holy Spirit because his word is going forward powerfully and effectively. Yes. Yeah, that's well said. God does the work and he does it whenever people's eyes and ears and hearts are opened up. You know, like when you just think about this in the Christian experience or in the the experience of people coming to faith in Christ, you'll meet many people who will say, I, I, you know, I was raised in church or I heard the gospel or I was familiar with the story of Jesus. I kind of knew the, the details, but then there was a moment where it was felt like I was hearing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. That language, that's language of effectual call. That's language of like, 
Like, keep in mind, like what we experience on the Damascus Road, although it is unique in the history of redemption, is a very visceral picture of what a factual call looks like uh, in that Paul was familiar with the story about Jesus. Like he was very familiar with the claims. He was very familiar with the broad contours of what Christians were claiming. That's why Paul is do- or Saul, what's, why Saul is doing what Saul is doing. He knows what's being said. But then there's a moment where the, the encounter moves from information to transformation, and that's a work of God that's being done by the power of the Holy Spirit to draw Saul and to draw anybody who's experiencing the effectual call unto Christ Jesus. It, it's the, the effectual call is whenever you, it's not just when you hear, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's when you hear that as an invitation to you not just as an abstract concept. It's when it moves from here's this general thing that God is saying to no, God is actually inviting me to surrender my allegiances, my loyalties, my faith, my trust, and I want to do so, seemingly out of nowhere. Okay, well, I don't want to step on the next episode, but if I do, I don't really care. (laughs) When you think about, like, of the three of us, who knows the moment that they were saved? Oh, I do. Do you? I can remember. I do. Do you, JT? Yeah. See, I don't. Um, and so, like, because I was mm-hmm. a kid, I was little. And so then, like, you run into people who they have rededicated yep. their lives, you know, multiple times. Or, you know, and they'll say, no, 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 well, I thought I was a believer. But then, you know, 10 years later, that's when I really, that's when it really mm-hmm. hit me. And then everything that came before that, they would count as not part of their yeah. Christian timeline, right? And so how are we supposed to think about that? Like, um, who's right? Should you have a time that you remember? Like, maybe I'm not saved because I can't remember a moment. I don't have a Damascus Road experience. What would you say to someone who has a habit of walking the aisle or rededicating um, or, or, or doesn't have a moment that they can point to and say, that was the moment? Yeah. You know what? I hope this is the story for so many people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know what else I don't remember? I don't remember being born. <laughs> I'm kind of glad I don't remember that. But lo, but lo, but lo and behold, here I am, having been born. Mm-hmm. When somebody says, mm-hmm. you know what? For as long as I can remember, I, uh, like all I've known is trust and love in Christ. To me, that says, wow, what an incredible blessing that God has given you and what an incredible joy and treasure that is. Was there a time in which you were dead in your trespasses and sins? Absolutely. Was there a moment in which you were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the beloved son, into God's beloved son? Absolutely. Do you need to remember exactly when that moment was in order for it to be a moment that you can stand on? I do not believe so. I think that these internal works sometimes are accompanied by a very visible, visceral memory, and sometimes they're not. And I don't know that it invalidates them for the same reason that I don't walk around the world presuming that only the things that I know or remember are things that are material Mm -hmm. or true. Well, and I think, you know, that's an important word for a generation of believers that is heavily reliant on experience mm. for to validate pretty much everything, right? Like, no, let, let's take Christianity out of the equation. Like, my experience is what is my reality. That's, that's what a lot of the messaging is that this generation has received. And so I do think it's important. Like, I'm thinking about it now 
in particular as a parent and how it played out in my home with my kids, because a lot of times you have these this hypervigilant parent who's like, is it time to pray the prayer yet? Or, um, you know, is my child in or out of the kingdom? And um, I know that in our, and all families mm-hmm. are different in the way that this plays out, you know, because personalities play into it and um, communication styles and all of that. Right. Um, but I can say in our family, we we didn't have the, hey, can you, would you like to pray and ask Christ into your heart? What we had was fruit, yeah. like there there was fruit and there was desire to to grow in love and knowledge of God. And um, I don't, I would say for for my kids, I don't know that they have a moment they can point to either. And a lot of that is probably related to the fact that mm-hmm. I didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that Jeff doesn't really. He has a couple of times he would point to and go, maybe that was it, or maybe this was it. Um, but ultimately, just as the parable of the sower would tell us, right? It's not whether something sprouts, it's whether it bears fruit. That's when you know that that faith yeah. is genuine. And so for the believer listening or the person listening who's wondering, oh, I don't know if I have that moment to point to, I think the more important question than when is, do you see the fruit? Do you you have a desire in your heart that is not natural mm-hmm. to us when we're born in sin? Do you love yeah. God? Mm-hmm. Because um, the person who has not been transformed internally is profoundly disinterested yeah. in those questions. That's right. right. Yeah. I'm glad you talked about that, Jen. I was going to ask you that question as, you know, a young dad myself. I'm not young, but I'm young and being a dad. Uh, and I'm having to think through this for our little family. You know, Th- Thomas is mm-hmm. seven, Bailey's five. And a couple weeks ago, one of Thomas's friends from his school got bat. He calls it baptism. I think I've mentioned that here before. Mm-hmm. And if any That's of you good. ever correct that, <laughs> I will destroy you uh, because it's the most <laughs> precious thing in the world and it's theologically true. So leave us alone. Uh, it's better than transliteration, it's actually a theological translation. Mm-hmm. So we've been having lots of conversations in our house and like, my prayer is that Thomas and Bailey would have the story that you and Jeff have, that they, and then it would be more mm-hmm. like when, when we talk about effectual call, we aren't talking about necessarily like radical conversion. Like when we talk about power, we're not talking about like I was clearly walking in darkness and now I'm walking in light. It might mm-hmm. it might be that. It might mm-hmm. be that to people's story, but mm-hmm. we're just talking about the power of God to save. Mm-hmm. And that looks mm-hmm. radically different for in, in radically different situations. It could just be a six-year-old professing faith in gentle ways where the mom and dad are saying, well, let's watch and see fruit over the course of the next, not just two weeks, but the next 50 years of like watching you grow and follow Jesus. But I'm also like reminded of John Wesley, um, who who, uh, you know, as somebody who's reformed, I also have great appreciation for for John Wesley. Yeah. I mean, his story is like, he's literally preaching and hundreds and thousands of people are responding. He's, he's like a revivalist, like country preacher, you know, getting on horseback and going from town to town to town and preaching faith in Christ alone. And he has a conversation with a Moravian pastor and he's like, I don't know that I have, he, Wesley confesses, I'm not sure that I believe this stuff. And he says, well, just keep, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep walking in faith, keep, keep, you know, affirming Christ as, as salvation alone. And eventually God grants him faith. And he says, like, my heart was strangely mm-hmm. warmed in a way that it never had been before. We're talking about a preacher who didn't have faith in Christ is being used to have help others have faith in Christ, who mm-hmm. then eventually has faith in Christ himself. And both of those kinds of stories, a young child who were looking for fruitfulness, or a John Wesley, or a me, or a Kyle, or a you, or a Jeff, effectual call can look different. Mm-hmm. It can look very different, but it's always God. It's always God who always does God. It. And I think it's important for us to remember the the order of importance of our 
perspective on the when or the how and God's perspective on the when or the how. Like this is where we just appeal to the character of God, the attributes of God. God is eternal, right? Mm -hmm. He's outside Mm -hmm. of time. And so while we are consumed with timelines, and in many regards should be, like we should number our days rightly. Like we we are time bound and time matters to us, Um, but God exists outside of time. And so while we are very concerned sometimes with finding a point on that timeline, the Lord looks on the beginning and the end, and He understands the whole span of things, and and we can trust Him, which is why I think the the question of am I am I bearing the fruit of righteousness is a is a pretty good way to think about. You know, I don't know when it happened, but man, I know it happened. I just remember so distinctly one of my daughters saying to me, um, she was little. And she she's feisty, and she said, "I asked Jesus into my heart, but I don't think he's in there." <laughs> I know what you're... she was like, super mad about it. You've never shared this, and that's story when before. we had this conversation. You've never shared this story. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I know which daughter you're talking about. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, and she probably wouldn't even mind if I said her name. It's it's one of my favorite yeah. stories because it's just so her personality. Because she's she, you know, she's she would say like, "I'm very uh, I lean toward achievement." Mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in the way that I think about the world. And so I do think that's another thing that plays into this, right, is our personalities, because I could relate to that so heavily. And I think it's one of the reasons that the Lord doesn't allow me the opportunity to say it was this moment and in, in this time. I think he's, he's kept it ambiguous for me on purpose. And so I was then able to say to her, you know, hey, um, uh, you may not feel like he's in there. The question will be, um, how are your how are your desires yeah. changing? And and I, when I look at you, here's what I see. So uh, it was just sweet. It was a sweet parenting that. moment. I love that. Well, uh, you know, we've covered some of this terrain. We got there before my questions did, which is great because we were headed in this direction. But let's just kind of land here. Why is effectual calling good news? Why is it good news that God does this? Well, it's good news on the part of the evangelist because it means the pressure's off, right. right? I mean, you can go and do the work faithfully and you don't have to keep a, a little clicker in your <laughs> pocket where you, you know, uh, click it every time you get a soul mm. one. Um, you can just go and do, you can go cast the seed. You can broadcast the seed and you can bro- broadcast it widely. Yeah, I, obviously I, f- I affirm that. I'm going to go throw my clicker away because that's really disappointing. <laughs> 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 No, I, that, that's exactly true. I, I want to give a small caveat here that I don't know that I, when I was in seminary, I don't think I would have given this caveat, and maybe I shouldn't. I'd love for you guys to push back on this a little bit if if you disagree. This is more of like the, maybe the nuances if you're in ministry and how to think about this. What we never want to do is allow effectual call in our firm affirmation of it. Like, I'm, I'm committed to the effectual calling of God, but that doesn't mean I don't want to preach the gospel with excellence. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. And I know you're not affirming that. I'm just saying God gets all the credit, but he also wants to use excellent sermons and faithful study of his word and thoughtfulness about using illustrations and how to how to invite people to, to place their faith in Christ. And so if, sometimes effectual calling can be used as a means by which I can say, well, God does the work, therefore I don't really have to do this well. Right. That's and right. we're not saying that. We yeah. want, I mean, Mm-mm. when we th- another story of effectual calling is Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches one of the best biblical theology sermons ever. Mm. And he does it well because he knows his Bible. He's full of the Holy Spirit now, and he he preaches a great sermon. So what, what Jen, I would affirm what Jen said wholeheartedly, uh, it takes the pressure off, but now there's joy in preaching, like or there's joy mm-hmm. in teaching. There's joy in writing of knowing 
man, I want to know the depths of God's word yeah. in, in new ways. I want God's spirit to freshly illuminate my heart and mind so that I can know God's word in deeper ways, so that I can offer it to God's people. So effectual calling takes the pressure off in terms of impact, but it doesn't take the pressure off in terms of preparation. We That's still right. want to prepare. We still want to mm-hmm. care. We still want to thoughtfully engage God's word and engage God's people contextually. It also takes the pressure off in terms of our response. I mean, yeah. we didn't get into this in terms of what is the freedom of the will and, and how, how do, how do mm-hmm. God's people respond, but it takes the pressure off of the recipient. It, uh, that isn't to say that we're robots, yeah. and it isn't to say that we're somehow you know, preconditioned to respond to God's word, but the way that some theologians that I, I, I like how they talk about this would say, uh, our will is always free, but it's mm. always free to respond to that which is most beautiful. And when the gospel is offered to sinners, they receive it, and, 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 and our uh, the scales fall off of our eyes are hard hearts are made flesh. We're transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. So the pressure is not only off for the preacher or the evangelist, it's also off for the hearer because we know that God does the work. Yeah. That's exactly right. Love it. That's good news right there. Well, listen, we hope you enjoyed the discussion today. Um, we're going to continue to cover the doctrine of salvation together on our next episode. We'll be looking at the doctrine of regeneration, which is a close complement to everything we just talked about. So we're going to stay in the same space for our next episode. Uh, listen, we got a cool thing that we want to put in front of the Knowing Faith audience, and you guys are really the first people to be hearing about this. But Crossway is excited to invite churches and small group leaders in the U.S. to request 52 free copies of Jen Wilkins' book, Women of the Word. JT, did you know that Jen wrote Women of the Word? I already did all this. They're all gone. I've already, oh, I've already right. requested <laughs> 52,000 copies. Sorry, guys. I, 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 love, the, I love 52 free copies because it's 52 weeks out of the year. Did you guys plan it that way? Did they plan it that I, I have no okay, idea. You're not involved oh, with this. Yeah. Do you like how yeah. involved I am in the <laughs> Jen is not involved at all. Yeah. So 52 free copies of Jen Wilkins' book, Women of the Word, While Supplies Last. Ministry leaders are invited to apply for free copies of the book for their church with the intention of helping women in their congregation read and discuss the book together. And I would say more importantly, get more and more in the Bible. That's the goal of Women of the Word and the goal yeah. of giving out these books. To request 52 free copies of Women of the Word for your church, simply fill out the application form linked in the show notes or visit Crossway org slash women of the word. Can I just of course chime in here yeah. really quickly? We're doing this because we want Bible literacy to grow. And so, but what we don't want is stacks of books just sitting around like, oh, well, let's just get these and maybe do something with them. So um, if you are interested in growing Bible literacy among your women, and honestly, men could read the book too, it's not super girly, then apply to to get these copies because we feel like this is intensely practical. And you could argue that it's a terrible decision to give away a bunch <laughs> of free books for a publisher. And I'm so thrilled that Crossway was, was on board with this and excited mm-hmm. about it. And so I hope you guys will take advantage of it. But we also are very aware that sometimes free stuff is stuff that just sits on a shelf. So we would ask that you honor the opportunity to do this by actually getting these and using them them um, in your local church. Shout out to uh, Crossway for their generosity um, with something mm-hmm. like this. It's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, listen, if you want to find more about Knowing Faith, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. And in your review, drop a question. We'd be glad to check out one of those questions for a future Q&A episode. If you're interested in more kind of just background, uh, how you can get involved with training the church, how you can help us continue to make these resources available, go to trainthechurch.com slash support. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about regeneration. We hope you enjoyed the discussion today. We'll see you next time. Grace and peace.